What's the nature of your emergency? Good morning, police, fire, military, and families, and to everybody who is listening in on the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, joined this morning by a freezing cold, super tired, semi-cranky Mr. Travis Johnson. Travis, how are you? Well, I think you just described exactly how I'm doing. Super cold, <laughs> semi-tired, sort of cranky. Well, I definitely appreciate you sharing this morning with us. Good morning to everybody who is just tuning in. Drop a comment down below so I can see who you are because I can't see it from this screen. And this morning, we are going to be giving away a tactical American flag hat and a copy of the Constitution, because I believe that everybody should have at least one copy of the Constitution in their house. So whoever engages the most within 24 hours on this thread and the one that we posted as the promo is going to win that. I will send it to you. And Travis, you have an incredible resume, really. You told me that you were able to guest interview and speak at conferences last year well over 40 of them. So can you just talk to us a little bit about who you are and good morning, good morning, why we should be listening to you. Hey, good morning. Uh, Travis Johnson, host of the Nonprofit Architect podcast, helping you build a stronger nonprofit. Run a show really dedicated to helping people and getting them the how-to they need to do it better. And uh, it's funny because tomorrow I pre-recorded a, a rant with the the Stone Vet USMC. So if you want to hear me rant about nonprofits, check that out tomorrow. But really excited to be here. I've been helping people in the, the nonprofit world for a few years. And this last year, really primarily helping people get into podcasting. Uh, I'm sure you know just how awesome it is, but I want to share with our audience today to let them know just how awesome it is. That is great. Good morning, everybody who's just tuning in. And Travis, I have to ask, what is a nonprofit architect? Uh, we help you design, launch, build, and grow your nonprofit. So anybody who's listening to this, I know we have several of them, especially inside of our Police, Fire, Military, and Families Facebook group who has a nonprofit of their own. What would that look like, them coming to you? What would be the purpose of that? Uh, the purpose of them coming to me to get help is really depending on where they're at. If they're wanting to launch their own nonprofit, we've got a, a downloadable. It's like five bucks to figure out if you should start your own nonprofit. For those in the military space, there's already 53,000 other veteran-focused nonprofits. Chances are I would recommend you not starting one. Uh, really getting in the space and figuring out who's doing what you want to do or who's already helping who you want to help and get in there and actually just helping because starting your own organization is just a huge pain. It costs a lot of money and a lot of time, and the vast majority of people would do just much better off just helping what's already existing. Hmm. If someone does not have a nonprofit at all, but they've always had the ambition to or maybe an idea to start, what is that process like for somebody brand new? Uh, it's pretty simple. Most states have it lined out. You register as a nonprofit. You put together some paperwork. We've actually got a product called Nonprofit in a Box. It's the step-by-step -step, uh, template that you have to fill out in order to do most of this work, uh, especially to file with the IRS, do your bylaws. Really, primarily, it takes three people to start a nonprofit, um, non-family related. So if you're like, oh, I'll just get my uncle and my cousin to sign off on this. And I'll just do it on my own. Please don't start one. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> it is so much work and it is almost impossible if you're doing it by yourself. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about 
you personally, because when I was reading your pre-interview questions, you had some pretty interesting facts on there um, stemming from the amount of times that you have moved to your upbringing in your childhood to attempted murder. And so can you just talk us through a little bit about some of your background? Sure. I'm at uh, 50 moves total right now. Five zero coming back from the Middle East. The last time was moved number 50. 36 of those were before graduating high school, 12 schools, six states, five different foster homes, and both my mother and sister tried to kill me. Are you able to talk a little bit about that? Well, talk about whatever you like. That was like a big cliffhanger right there. And we're nosy <laughs> people here. <laughs> uh, my mother and sister both have mental health problems and at uh, two different times. I think it was at 10 and 15, 10, my sister chased me around the house with a butcher knife trying to stab me. And then my mom tried to smother me at 15 when I took her to the hospital. It was like 3 a.m. I woke up and she was straddling me with a pillow on my face and I pushed her off and grabbed my sister and ran. That's so, yeah, thank you so much for being transparent mm -hmm. about that. You're right, Mitch. And that is something that nobody should have to go through, especially at such a young age. So I'm wondering if at all, how did that impact you as you got older? You know what? It uh, impacted me surprisingly less than it should have. I was able to really stay disconnected and realize that most of the things that happened to me weren't my fault. It's, it's interesting. Most people, when something happens to them as a child, uh, anything in their world they, they assume a little bit of responsibility. Like their parents get divorced when they're six, they're like, oh, it must be my fault. Whatever happens, they feel like they have a responsibility in that. And it's, it's not true, even though we feel that way. And because I was able to stay really kind of disconnected and understand that it wasn't my fault, was able to move forward. Uh, there's a lot of people out there right now that are hanging on something like this or they're holding on to it. And if we don't get the healing we need, don't search out whether that's therapy or EMDR or whatever the therapy is, whatever, whatever it looks like for you, it, it's probably not your fault. Even if it is a little bit your fault, you still have to get forgiveness. You still have to move forward and, and choose to do it with your life. We can either go like this and say it's someone else's fault or this group's fault or, oh, it's the rich or it's the immigrants or it's whatever, you know, or we can say, hey, this I had some part in this little or a lot. That's fine. I've got to get healing. I've got to forgive myself. I've got to forgive the, the parties involved and I've got to move forward with your life. I think that's probably one of the biggest differences between two people around the world is where they place the blame. Here's yeah. the deal. It doesn't matter largely whose fault it was. Yeah, it doesn't that's matter. That's super empowering, especially at it a young matter. age to have that kind of demeanor. Yeah. Like that's very empowering. Good morning, Brian. And I'm not sure who asked this question, but the question is, the question is how did that make you feel trusting with people that are close to you? <laughs> sucked right you know you're not sure who to trust you're not sure uh, who's really on your team or not surprisingly i found the people in the court system social workers foster care people i was in northern minnesota for most of this uh, i trusted them more than my immediate family i had much better time in the foster home foster system than i did in my own home and i know that's not everyone's experience but uh, very grateful to be in five different homes where I never felt threatened. I never had to worry about where my meals were coming from. I understood that there was uh, a system that was running the house and you can operate within that system and be just fine. So very thankful for all those that helped me along the path. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mitch, you should be proud of how you moved on and stayed strong and built your identity and for finding healing. Yes, absolutely. Mitch wants to know, did the military help you find and build that trust? Oh, absolutely. I really credit my success to uh, Jesus, my wife in the military. The Navy really helped me by because they didn't care who I was or where I came from. Right. doesn't matter what family you come from. It doesn't matter if it's a disaster or if you're wealthy, you're like you've got to show up, you've got to do the work. There's, there's no one else doing it. It's got to be you. And so you can really make your own life, especially in the military. Um, it's been great. I'm at the end of 21 years right now here in 20 days into the month, I'll actually be retired from the Navy. I did 11 years enlisted and 10 years commissioned and really looking forward to that next phase of life. That's beautiful. Yeah, Mitch did it. It did it for me as well, he says. And thank you so much for your service to all of you. And I'm wondering then what your journey was into entrepreneurship. You know, I got uh, I got in the space where I, I started talking to people about different things. And like most people that are in their early 20s, got in problems with, you know, credit card debt and things of that nature, because I blame I blame you all. I blame society. Uh, no one talks about finances. Right. It's one of those areas that people oh, I don't want to talk about finances. Um, and what that does to our young people is they have no no clue what they're doing and they get in trouble. And we started working on our finances and we found uh, the holy saint of debt forgiveness, Dave Ramsey, who's not is <laughs> not the end all be all in in finance. But he's does great at taking a train wreck and, and building like a solid foundation to build off of. And we were like flabbergasted like why are not people not talking about this like i was like seriously you all suck like how come no one told me about all this stuff how to pay off debt and all that stuff people that know dave ramsey were on baby step six paying off the house um and we started helping other families do that we helped 400 families pay off six million dollars in debt and through that journey some people were like you're providing this real value to other people i was like yeah it's great and they're like you should be making money doing what you're doing and i'm like Oh, like it just never occurred to me. And I started doing a bunch of different readings and different things. And then I got to the point where I realized I didn't want their money. The people that were really struggling, like I didn't, I didn't want their money. Um, and I got stationed over in the kingdom of Bahrain and had started reading like 60 books a year, um, audiobooks mostly, and realized all these different things that I just didn't know existed because the American school system teaches you how to be a compliant employee and not much else. And I started reading books like Tim Ferriss, four hour work week and Chris Voss never split the difference and realized that I could build whatever I wanted to build. I could do whatever I wanted to do. And eventually realizing you know, I wasn't going to be in the money game and I wanted to be in the nonprofit game. And now I'm looking at beyond the nonprofit architect and what that looks like. It's really going to be in depth conversations like the one that was avoided while I was growing up. So we're going to talk about money, sex, politics, religion, racism, all the things that no one wants to talk about and get really deep conversations. So people can not have the excuse of like, no one's talking about this. Yeah. Or just keep getting sucked into it because they don't know better. You're right, Mitch. Dave Ramsey is powerful and thanks for what you're doing for sure. So if somebody's listening to this right now and Travis, they can relate in, a way very similar to what you had experienced in your past and now have learned and grown from what advice might you have for somebody in that position? It's up to you. Whatever 
situation you're in, whatever terrible thing is, uh, someone told me like, oh, I only have you know one murder attempt. I don't have to. It's not a competition. This isn't the trauma Olympics and we're giving out medals for who has it worse, right? Everyone has their own situation. Every family traumatizes their children at some level because the vast majority of us have kids when we're young and we don't know what the heck we're doing as parents either. I'm sure I've traumatized my kids. It's just some effect, right? doesn't matter if your trauma is big or small. You have to find out who you are, what's your real true operating system, who you are, who are you as a person? You have to show up and be present. You are the gift. Be the CEO of your life. Not try to be the CEO, not doing the CEO thing. Be the CEO. You're in charge. If you think of your life as you're the CEO and you had a board, would they fire you? Would they keep you on? Would they give you a raise? How are you doing in your operating system? Who are the people that you're hanging around? If you're hanging around people that all have hot rods, you're going to find yourself getting a hot rod. If you're hanging around people that go to the gym every day, you're going to find yourself going to the gym. If you find a group of people and you're going to the casino two, three nights a week, you're going to find yourself in the casino two or three nights a week. If you are married and you have single friends telling you to leave your spouse, why aren't you hanging around with strong couples that will never leave their spouse, you know, aside from some kind of trauma or abuse, right? I'm not talking about sticking around for that, but who we hang around with determines who we are. When I, I did good things joining the military and my wife and Jesus, but it wasn't until I found people that really cared about their career, their education, their faith, that I start becoming a really better man. Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure who said this, but I'm going to guess it's Michelle who says I would log in at this exact moment of what's being said. Um, I'm not sure who says I blame my mother for the divorce. It took 32 years and a self-development course to figure out that it was my father who was to blame. That's powerful. Be the CEO of your life. I love that. I went through some hard times as a child and had to find my identity and what God's plan for me was. Yeah, absolutely. So Travis, how does the podcast fit into this circle of you moving forward, self-development, building your networking, creating a circle that identifies with who you are? How did a podcast come to be? Uh, I tell you what, the podcasting game is probably one of the coolest things I've ever done. I got over, I was doing some nonprofit work in the States while I was still active military and I got over, over to Bahrain and I wanted to do something that was still you know, contributing a to have something positive to do so I wouldn't get myself in trouble because you give me tax free money and nothing better to do. I'm going to find a way to get in trouble. Um, and someone's like, well, you kind of have that, that podcasting voice. And I was like, podcasting voice. Cause you know, we don't hear ourselves the same way other people hear us. And we're like, like, have you heard you? Like someone <laughs> recorded me and I was like, Ooh, that's nice. Who is it? Like, that's you. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Um, sounds fun. And I started doing it and I knew a lot of things in the nonprofit world. You know, we'd raised a half a million bucks in two years. I've been on a, a few boards, uh, donated, you know, probably over 40 grand now have, uh, donated personal time up to 1500 hours, probably of, of volunteer time. And I knew some things. I didn't know everything. So I wanted to do an interview show and I looked at all the other nonprofit podcasts out there and there were some good discussions, some, some good things being talked about, but no one was really teaching anything. No one was giving anyone the how to. And so I brought on experts in the nonprofit world, in the business world, consultants that get paid to do this stuff. And then people with really the special skills to help nonprofits do it better. And we started having conversations. And I'll tell you what, 
Ashley, every single person that I interview, I learn something, right? We're having a discussion that has value for the audience, but I get to ask them whatever I want to ask them. So when you've got people like Bob Berg, who wrote the Go-Giver series, and Steve Sims, who wrote The Art of Blue Fishing, he does world-class events for millionaires and billionaires. He does Sir Elton John's Red Carpet Oscar Party every year. We have Alan Stein Jr., who helped coach and develop LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, you know, when you ask these people and you get them on your show and you ask them whatever you want to ask them, it's like having your own free private masterclass. You know, every person you interview, everyone you share with, like you're doing right now, I'm going to share this when it goes out and you're going to leverage and have access to all of my audience. And then me being a guest on your show, when you publish it, I'm going to have access to all your audience. Every single person I interview makes me smarter. It grows my network. It builds my authority as an interviewer, or in this case, your authority as an interviewer, and it really just helps you develop something in this world. And the beautiful thing is for most people, like this is now a reason for people to talk to them. Everyone that comes on my show is excited to talk to me. I get to pe- talk to people that are happy to talk to me like every day. How fun is that? Networking at its finest. You are absolutely right. If you look up loner, my face appears. <laughs> yeah, Michael, mine too. Everyone has issues. You need to be around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we all have that, you guys. And um, so, Travis, you have this podcast that you discovered because, yeah, it's like having a sports announcer's voice. You you definitely do have that voice. And it's so funny that somebody recorded it and then let you listen to it. So with this opportunity, having a podcast then, and you have this, I could I could tell this inner desire to just give back at value. And you're leading with value first, which I think is a rare attribute, especially in this realm of technology that we have, where everybody is just trying to capture that email and then put you on a list and start spamming you with a bunch of shit. So you also (laughs) believe that it's important for everybody to have a podcast. So why do you think that is? Uh, There's a lot of reasons, right? When if, If you have any kind of business, anything at all, anything that you're doing, the people that we tend to gravitate to are the people that are providing us value. Right. So if you're in the insurance game and insurance folks do a lot of work, I hate those conversations. Right. You sit down and you're like, how much do you care about your family that you're going to die and, and leave them life insurance money? Or what does this look like? Or what does that look like? Right. They, they spend so much time going through that questionnaire. That they don't feel like they have time to give value. Well, imagine someone comes into your audience, right, comes, comes into your office and asks you questions and you're the professional and you're filling this stuff out. And they only have 10 minutes. Before they leave, you can bring up your podcast where you're talking about the topic. And then as they're going home, instead of walking out of the office and just switching off onto some other topic or the next thing on their to-do list, they're listening to you reinforce and tell them all the things that you wish you would have known or had time for. And then they pick up their friend on the way and they're like, what's this? Well, actually, this is my insurance guy telling me about this, that, and the other on the way home. And then you're actually teaching and providing value. You're showing them how that stuff matters and how that integrates. Think about all the people that you've connected to professionally over time. The, the ones that you care about most, were are they a referral? Were they someone you found on your own? Were they showing you something new? Podcasting is cheap to start. I mean, yeah, you can get in and get all the fancy equipment and the lights and all this stuff, but you know, I didn't start with that. There's a guy, Russell Brunson, who is the co-founder of ClickFunnels. He used to get in his car on Anchor, hit record, and talk for the 10 minutes on the way to work, get to work, hit publish, goes out to all the channels, 
and he's got millions of downloads. Audio is so dang convenient. You can listen to it while you're commuting, while you're working out, while you're running errands, or while you're cleaning up around the house. You don't have to take time away from something that you're doing to be involved in something like audio. We already talked about increasing the value of your and size of your network. We talked about increasing your authority, your knowledge, your credibility. Uh, this is something that you can monetize. Now, before we jump into it, right, less than 1% of podcasts out there are actually monetized worth a dang. Um, so if you're like, yeah, I'm going to get in there and make money, just, just please don't start. If that's your goal, this might help you do it, but that's not going to be your primary thing. But it allows you to promote your products, your services. Uh, the maintenance is easy. You can do this stuff with little to no editing if you want to. Sure, you can do a lot. You can do video production and all that stuff. You can hire it out. But it, this helps you build your personal brand, your personal authority, the things that you're going to do. It helps you connect with new people. Uh, creating content is huge. Everyone's like, oh, you got to post on all these social medias. you got to do all this stuff. Well, if Ashley and I do an interview and she asks me 10 questions, she's now got a morning and an afternoon post for the whole week that she can just take little snippets out of what we've already discussed. She doesn't have to create something new. She takes what we've created and pieces it out. So she doesn't have to think of what the heck to post the rest of the week or the next two weeks or the next three weeks or however many times you want to repurpose this thing. If we record via Zoom or StreamYard, you can take the video out. You can take the audio out. You can put it on YouTube. I'm on like 65 channels. You can find me literally anywhere but AWAS because it's native Hindi content in India. <laughs> I'm obviously not native Indian content, <laughs> but... <laughs> There's so many, there's so much value in something like this and you can put as little to it into it as you want or as much as you want into it. If you're doing something like a nonprofit and you're talking about a piece of legislation that you care about, you can bring on the mayor, the city council, your state elected officials. You can bring on your senator if you want to, to talk about the thing. You give them your platform. They can talk about whatever you want talk about the specific thing that you care about. And then when it actually comes into discussion on the Senate floor, like who's going to be that expert that they call to learn about homelessness or uh, PTSD or whatever the thing is, wherever the cause is, they're going to bring in you because you brought them value. And now you're going to be the expert at the table helping write the legislation instead of just being a name on a petition. Yeah. And I don't know about you, Travis, but I know for me, Having started a podcast almost three years ago now, it has definitely given it's it's like a confidence ticket to be able to reach out to whoever you want to. I reached out to Donald Trump because I just wanted to see, like, hey, maybe he'll come on my show. I still am waiting for a reply back, but it gives you this confidence card where you now have a reason to be able to reach out to people that maybe you wouldn't have before. Has that happened to you? Yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned Bob Burke, Steve Sims, and Alan Stein Jr., people that I have no business knowing or interacting with. And if you're like wondering, like, who are these people? Look those people up. Like Bob Burke sold like 30 million books of the Go-Giver series. Um, you're like, why would I have permission to ask these people anything? And by, you know, by and large, the average person doesn't. But if you're providing them value, like bringing them on the show, leveraging your platform, it's a big deal. Like people are looking for exposure. You can go get on Fox, CNN, whatever news outlet, right? But good luck getting in there, right? But if you want to get on the podcasting circuit, 
and start having discussions with people that have audiences that people haven't tapped into or people that don't watch, you know, regular news media. That's a great if you're on Bloomberg, right? But if no one you care about is on Bloomberg or, you know, like I've never watched Bloomberg, like, <laughs> you know, I've never watched it in my entire life. So you being on Bloomberg doesn't really mean anything to me. But finding all these different shows and places you can provide value, you can connect person to person with audiences. Like right now, we've got all these people uh, commenting, which is fantastic. If you have a question for me, right, my contact info is going to be available. Reach out to me. People in the podcast game wanted to be reached out to. We want to connect with you. I don't want to be some person on a screen somewhere that you can't connect to. Reach out to me. Let's have a conversation about something. Maybe you'd be a guest on my show. Maybe I'd be a guest on your show. Maybe we create some kind of uh, joint venture or collaboration or partnership moving forward. That's what networking is. If you're just going to meet people and say, hey, buy my stuff, stop networking, please. <laughs> Yes, on behalf of all of us, this concept is contagious, I believe, especially for someone in my position, and I'm learning a lot of others in my situation as well. It's taken a lot of self-education to learn the most important things that I've needed. Absolutely. Cardio day in the gym and listening. Go harder, go harder. I'm still <laughs> waiting for Ashley Walton to reach out to me. Okay, I'm not sure who said that, but I'm going to go back and look to find out, and I will reach out to you today, whoever that is. And you better come on the show and not just be saying that. So, Travis, <laughs> you have provided massive value, and I can't thank you enough. I'm going to drop all your contact information down below. And for somebody who might be listening and wanting to write it down, what is the best way for somebody to get a hold of you? Go to nonprofitarchitect.org. There's a contact form at the bottom of the page. Or all my social is Nonprofit Architect. Reach out to me. I'm quick on Messenger. Um, I don't know why it's my favorite, but it is. It's easy. It pops up. It says, bloop, answer me. <laughs> like a text message, like it doesn't pop up. It's just like a, right? But like. I don't know. Facebook Messenger like pops up and takes over your screen. It's like you have to deal with it. That um, dopamine. <laughs> is that, do that dopamine hit. <laughs> I got to do it. I got to check it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a problem, a real problem. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And to everybody who's tuned in, if you think of any questions later that you want to drop in the comments below, I'll make sure to, tra to tag Travis and um, we'll make sure to get those answered. So thank you everyone for your time, Travis, you especially. Thank you so much. And I hope everyone has an amazing rest of your day. Hey, thanks so much, Ashley.